Thursday. Thank you all so much for tuning in to the PHNX Coyotes podcast. Don't forget to hit that like button, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a five-star review. And we are here with Craig. PD is in Las Vegas. Hey, Walt. Let's just be honest For the it. playoffs. So uh, we found not one, but two worthy replacements. I would say <laughs> we're really excited to welcome our first ever agents to the show. Thank you. Brian and Scott Bartlett, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks yeah, for having us. you having us. Thank you. Yeah. I know you guys weren't aware of this at the time, but this is actually an audition. <laughs> Phil PDC. Okay. So we'll see how it goes today. We'll try not to just talk over each other. That's probably going to happen. Yeah. We, got a, we got a lot of downtime, so this is uh, good. For got years of practice at that, right? Talking <laughs> yeah. over each other. Exactly. Okay. Well, let's start by asking the obvious. What are you doing here in the Valley, um, especially in this weather? Go ahead, Brad. Yeah, it's, you know, part of our job is is checking in with our clients and, and seeing people. And this is a little bit of a slower time for us as the team start dwindling down in the playoffs. So uh, we have a client here on the Coyotes, uh, Clayton Keller, who... Um, we've known for a long time is considered kind of a friend, I think of ours as much as, as a client. So came out, meet with him, go over a couple of things that are going on, a couple more things going on, maybe than we thought when we booked the flights, but a couple <laughs> we'll things going on, get, get in around to golf and uh, just kind of download from the season a little bit. Yeah, I was going to say, you got to golf with Clayton Keller. So you got a first hand lead. I'm sure you've seen it before, but are all the rumors true? Could, could Kels really be on the tour at this point? I think he could, 100%. I asked him yesterday, I said, do you ever practice? He said no, and it's just oh remarkable. I mean, this guy, I mean, he goes out and plays rounds, but it's actually wild. Um, his accuracy, his short game's insane. Um, I mean, he's known on the ice for his hands, and it's yeah. no different on the golf course. So I've gotten my butt kicked from, by him a bunch of times <laughs> over the years, so he's got to give me about 10 strokes aside. side uh, to even make it close so it's it's really fun he does yeah. have the suite set up in his backyard though so he's got to be practicing for sure I mean, Barrett Hayden tells me they yeah, go out we're, there we're competition, staying, so we're staying over there uh while we're here and this morning i was chipping golf balls from uh 70 yards and having his dog run that, that was the workout for the dog oh, so we, we were awesome. on dog duty he was chasing the golf balls. So. we took advantage of the time change get up early while kells is still sleeping yeah, <laughs> get, get some sand work in for the dog yeah try to add some that's value true. here that's awesome so this is actually the first time we've had amazingly agents on our show we've covered just about every other area i mean we had the commissioner of the nhl on our show we've had coaches we've had executives players politicians <laughs> Far too many politicians. I really want to get out of being a political writer, but yeah. more on that later. But how did you get into this business? Can you tell us? And obviously your dad had something to do with this, but maybe you can tell us the family story and the origin story. Yeah, I'll jump on that. Um, so, yeah, we're extremely fortunate that my dad um, founded this business. It's actually a, a wild story. So he played college hockey at the University of Vermont himself back in the day, back when there was probably about six or eight NHL teams. Um, and wow. so when he was done, he, he's always dead. Thank himself. you for that comment. By the way. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, even, yeah. even before that, before. Too, he, was, he was a stick boy for the Amherst. He was, he was like, literally a stick boy for the Rochester Cherry, like wow. that Oh my era. gosh. So he was like, he was 11 years old, I think. And he was a stick yeah. boy. And wow. it's even crazy. He got wild. So you go, he was a stick boy and the head trainer, he was maybe 17, 18. I think he was a senior in high school, right? Yeah. The head trainer, like either disappeared or got disappeared or something. <laughs> he ended up being the head athletic trainer with zero medical experience, anything, for when they won the call to cup. When he was and in high school. He was like literally 17-year-old, like just dude, was a stick boy. But like you're in charge. I was telling the stories, like pulling guys' tongues out from like when they're choking their tongue. Yes. Like, yeah. Totally yeah. different world. Yeah, so yeah. you have to send in like a tongue stick with somebody got hit too hard. You have to stick it in their mouth and pull their tongue so back out of it. Stuff. <laughs> Crazy stuff. Anyways, that was one, world. one no. step back. More of those stories, Anyhow, please. Did anyways, he use leeches? Or? So he went on to be a good youth hockey player and um, 
and still actually holds some records for his high school team, which has folded uh, long, long ago. So those records are safe, thankfully. Um, <laughs> but went on to play at UVM. And then he's got a real entrepreneurial spirit. Um, actually bought like three motorcycles, literally in a garage, opened a garage and said, hey, I'm going to open, start selling motorcycles. And so he did that for about five years. And then he got to be buddies with some of the local pros. I mean, he was in his mid-20s, late-20s. The guys that were playing there were the same age and, and just sold bikes to Teddy Nolan, Randy Cunningworth, all these legendary wow. names. And that's how we got into the business. They just started asking him, hey, could you help me with my taxes? Could you do this? Could you do wow. that? And then Randy Cunningworth, who's still my dad's best friend to, to this day, um, said, hey, I, I don't even have an agent. Um, would you mind calling up the GM? And my dad, yeah, sure. Okay, Who, who's the GM of the Sabres at the time? Scotty Bowman. And so my dad's <laughs> first negotiation was with Scotty Bowman. It no was, he got yeah. him like five grand more or something in 1983. And sure enough, Hey, we got a business on our hands and, um, it was word of mouth. It was crazy at that time. Um, and by the late eighties, he had half the Pittsburgh Penguins literally. Mm. Um, and, and, and since that day, really since kind of mid to late eighties, um, it, it's been a family business and we've always had between 25 and 35 NHL clients since that day. Um, so kind of a crazy story. And it's neat because we really feel that those values of helping friends and doing it for the right reasons and being relationship-based, those are the type of things that have have persisted in our business. And those are the things that really differentiate ourselves from kind of some of the bigger corporate uh, entities out there. So, Brian, did you guys always did you guys always know you were going to be agents? Was this always the idea? I, I mean, I think I probably knew that I would like to get in at like, we were around and we had guys, you didn't even know who they were, right? They were Olympians or NHL players would come just playing mini sticks with us in our basement or whatever, right? And through that process of playing mini sticks with good hockey players, I learned quickly that I was not going to be a professional <laughs> hockey player. So like, all right, I got to find a way to kind of stick in this a little bit. I think Scotty, uh, you know, had the dream and, and executed the dream a little bit more of playing it a high level. So I think I think the plan probably always that I was going to be an agent. Scotty was going to be the client that let me retire. Th that didn't quite <laughs> come together. I literally made it. Based on those yeah. commissions, we didn't quite pull the the plan off. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think we were around it. I think, um, you know, we both studied stuff in school that, that would kind of give us the baseline of that. And, and, and we were around it so much that even now, like it doesn't really feel like a job. It's a lot of hours and mm -hmm. we get paid for it, but it, it doesn't feel like a job because it's always what we're kind of around or just like helping friends that happen to be good hockey players and they got different things. So just because we grew up around it, it's been kind of a natural extension and i think um you know my dad's still hyper involved in but we've tried to evolve it and grow it and and add things but yeah i think it was always in the back of our mind that working with family is something that would would be exciting for us yeah can you kind of take us through like what a day in your life is like i think a lot of people you know you hear agents you, you think about you know negotiating contracts but what is just like a day in the life of an agent like yeah, it, it would be nice if there was kind of a typical day and it, it goes into changes and, and a lot of it is just kind of two pieces. There's kind of like proactive planning of things, of planning of endorsements, taxes, contracts, those things that you can kind of control the flow of a little bit. And then a lot of it is is reactionary too of, of what's going on. Is is there an injury? Is there um, something else that's going on in, in somebody else's life, right? So you might get a call at seven in the morning saying, hey, I want to bring my car back to Calgary, can you help me figure that out? Like, okay, was not expecting to try to figure out international <laughs> customs for a one-off car yeah. today, huh. right? But then then you figure that out. So it's really, for us, we try to be kind of that first point of contact for it so you don't totally know what's coming. And, you know, kind of repeats what the situations are, but um, it's, it's a lot of that. It's a lot of problem solving, a lot of putting out fires um, while still trying to 
create a structure for the players where they can focus on what's happening on the ice and their training, that sort of things of taking away distractions. But um, yeah, it, it varies a lot. I don't know. What's your Yeah, no, I, I think that's, I think he nailed it. I, I think the way I think about it, honestly, it's like you're on call kind of for nine months of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's crazy. As we were talking about pre-show here, just the time zones involved, you know, Pacific okay, to Eastern is one thing, but then all of a sudden when you've got European clients and, you know, guys in in Sweden and in Germany and all those places, all mm-hmm. of a sudden you're I mean you're waking up to twenty text messages, right? And and it's a really text and phone heavy business as opposed to email. You know, it's not quite as corporate that way. So you're certainly on call. Um, you know, I would say nine months of the year on those type of things. It's relationships too, isn't it? I mean, you got to forge relationships with a lot of people, GMs, yes. most notably, yeah. but players obviously as well. So yeah, I'm to me that's the number one thing that I enjoy about this is. It's a really special relationship when, as you know, I mean, these guys, you know, the high end stars of the world are so sought after. There's very few people in their lives that they can truly turn to in kind of a real confidant uh, way. And and I, I think we really pride ourselves on being that sounding board for them and having that safe relationship with them. Uh, and it's a pride, a pride and joy for us to kind of help them through big decisions in their lives. I mean, at the end of the day. People forget this too often. They are just people underneath all of it. And mm-hmm. they've got a lot of same concerns that you and I would have. And, and so to kind of be in that inner circle is really, I think, kind of the special privilege of the job, honestly. Yeah. So, and, and and also further, I mean, obviously now with with younger clients, we have to start to, to work on our pipeline and, and, and grow them. And so it, it's really rewarding to see the maturity and the growth in those type of young guys and then see them live that dream. If you feel like you've had a part of that, like... I obviously never made it. As Brian said, I made hundreds of dollars a week in the East Coast League, <laughs> killing it, uh, you know, but but these guys are really, you know, their first NHL games or that big life changing contract and stuff to feel like you've been a real part of that for, for you know, years in a lot of cases is, is special. You didn't adjust for inflation when no. you said yeah. that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Three figures. Yeah. 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 Oh, man. Uh, obviously, there's no typical day, but can you kind of paint a picture of a typical year like what's the busiest time of year you had mentioned that this is actually kind of a slow time so what are the busy times what are the slow times what is like an average i guess year look like mm-hmm. yeah it you know it, it's probably easiest to start like kind of start of the season right so can start of the season everybody's getting adjusted they're moving to new cities trying to help find housing trying to help find cars trying to figure out for young guys what that adjustment to maybe it's the first time they're living on their own without a billet or not living in a college dorm or somebody's cooking for them, right? So trying to help with those kind of life adjustment sort of things. And it's the same thing. There's a couple of times, you know, like there's a roster kind of cut down day being forced. You know that that day is going to be, we're going to get 15 calls of guys that are going to be on waivers today or sent down or whatever it is. So it's planning ahead, talking to other teams about if there's opportunities for guys, if there isn't one. And then kind of as the season goes, that really is, turns out to be kind of the more reactionary sort of thing. You're not sure how it's going to go, as as I said, with, with different things that might pop up. And then as we get going kind of through the year it's starting to think ahead about who needs contracts who's going to be up keeping track of kind of where they are in their growth and start thinking is this guy who's going to start thinking about a long-term one is this guy who's going to need to kind of do a reload and go up again and do a short-term one um and then that kind of starts getting into the actual negotiations and the grinding and figuring out where you want to be um there's a draft that comes up 
in the summer, which is coming up here. So this time of year, as I said, is kind of a, a reload with all the clients, get everybody on the same page, know what we're doing. Um, and then it goes into the draft where we're preparing those young guys, um, that we're working with for, for interviews for the combine, which is coming up here pretty soon. Right. Um, making sure that that process is as smooth as, as possible. And, you know, as we tell them, we don't have a magic wand in any of this stuff, right? We can't make a $1 million player, $5 million guy overnight, right? We can provide some resources to try to get better. And the draft is the same thing. You can't make a guy who's a seventh round talent into a first round pick, uh, with how well they interview. Just it's not going to come together, but try to make them yeah. as prepared as they can and, and look their best, and and then it's kind of you know do it all over again because then you get back in the draft, and then July one is three days after the draft, so you know once we get into here, it's it's draft interview period, free agency arbitrations come up right away, um, and then you know the guys that don't get that first wave of free agency are the ones I think we kind of pride ourselves on the most, right? Like it, it's easy those guys that you know are going to be signed at twelve oh one. On July 1st, right. it's the ones like, okay, you're not the first wave. Now let's find a spot where you can really thrive or fits for your right. family. Um, do it again. So that's kind of the you know general calendar, but then there's a hundred million things on, yeah. on top of that that you don't yeah. expect. But. How do you guys make contact with prospective clients initially? What does that whole process look like, whether you're going to tournaments or relying on relationships, et cetera? Yes, I, I think we're very, very fortunate, as I mentioned before. I mean, my dad's uh, been in this business for 40 years. Um, and so the network that we've collectively built as the Bartlett family is, is really extensive. Um, and so we get a ton of, Hey, you got to see this kid that I'm coaching, you know, or have you heard of this guy or, you know, um, from the highest levels, you know, on down. So oftentimes we've got a nice warm lead of somebody, but mm -hmm. we trust our eye. Uh, I think we really trust our eye. It's a unique thing to understand kind of what we call them translatable assets, right? What, what certain things at 15, 16, are going to work at 2025 at the highest levels in pro hockey, right? So I, I think hmm. we really trust our eye as, and we've, and we've gotten a lot better uh, at learning that over, you know, you're been, actually scouts for sure. Yeah. Correct. That's yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. and you have to kind of understand, like I said, uh, all the little factors that go into the soup of like, okay, yeah, this kid's an awesome player right now, but he's going to hit a wall sometime. Um, and so what are we actually looking for? That's probably a little bit of the proprietary stuff, but there are some translatable assets that we really feel are going to work at the next level. And we speak that language of, okay, this guy has X, Y, and Z. And, and then again, we, a lot of references, we get 90% of them, I would say it, it's not worth our time, but then you go, <laughs> but then you go and you watch yeah. a few guys that excite you. I'll never forget watching Clayton first time. Like he was electric, electric. And, uh, yeah. So anyways, again, that's the type of stuff where, um, you know, and if that's the case, then, you know, like anything, right, any business relationship or whatever, you try to have somebody that knows them and has a trust factor with that person make an introduction. Um, and we really, really think we take long term views on all this stuff, right? Like coming in for the quick sale is not great when they don't get paid for another five years and you don't get paid. Right. So it's right. all about building it organically, building the trust showing them that you can be there for them for any different situation. And then once it feels, you know, comfortable, then it, we kind of equate it to, all right, you know, Hey, it's an extended, uh, audition or, or, or we're dating, right. We're not married yet, but we're dating. And, and in that case, you're not going out, you're not asking 10 different advisors, the same question you're trusting us and we're going through the process. Right. So that's kind of how, what it looks like. I would say, how have you honed that evaluation process as a scout? I mean, we, you know, we, our own viewers, you know, are talent evaluators. They tell yeah. us who they like and don't like in a <laughs> yeah, draft, yeah, of course. Good. But it's it's an art, and you have to be trained in it. So, how did you learn that craft? Some of it, 
again, we got lucky who kind of grew up around it and you see that when we were watching games and I think kind of subtly learning that from my dad and a lot of his friends throughout the years, like we rarely watch and it's, it's a little bit of the downside of it. Is a lot of times we'll go to games and it's like, we're not even really fans. We're like, now I'm cheering. I even remember that as a kid. You're yeah. like, totally. we weren't really sure. Like, okay, good. We're at an Amherst game or Sabre scheme or whatever, but like we're cheering for the Penguins. Why? Like, I remember that as a kid. You're like, <laughs> oh yeah, because we're watching this defenseman and that's who we wanted to play well today or whatever it is. So I think it's just been looking at it for a little bit. And then also it's, it's a little bit of um, just on the job sort of training and you do it. And I've been doing right. it almost 20 years now. Yeah. Um, Are you talking to other scouts too to get their process or? Yeah. Okay. So, so that's a lot of it too, is, is you talked about relationships before, right? Yeah. So it's talking to NHL scouts, talking to that. It's changed a little bit. The landscape now, um, the NCAA schools used to really be recruiting guys super young, 14, 13. They were kind of the bleeding edge of it, of talking to guys, which was crazy. The hmm. NCAA has changed the rules that now you can't contact players until midway through their sophomore year, 10th grade year. Um, so that's pushed it back a little bit. So that's kind of a, a little bit of a world that we can't rely on those guys. Hey, what do you see? So it's, it's back on us a little bit, but it's also, as, as Scotty said, like so many of it is our former clients that are now youth coaches or Zach LaRaza, yeah. who's here as a former client who, you know, is with, yeah. with the junior coyotes. Right. And like, yeah. he went through it. He was a super high end, maybe the best 14 year old yeah. in the country. Right. Went, went to the national team, went and played at Denver, did great. Some of those things translate, some of it didn't. So he's learned from his experience, right? So you can talk to him about it. He's passing that on to the kids here. He's an amazing resource for the, the kids here. But so it's that. It's, it's collecting. It's taking little pieces and, and remembering things. It's like, why did that player that looked so promising not yes. quite make it? And what what was that? So we spent a lot of time, too, reflecting on that, saying, okay, this guy that looked like he was going to be a surefire $100 million guy never really made it out of these coasts like why is that yeah right yeah. or or what is it and, and I, there's different things i think that's exactly right on the job training has really led us to this point i mean we've both been doing this well over a decade now and uh you just like he said you just pick up little things like that um i also i think we pride ourselves on the relationships we have with nhl skill coaches you know the yeah. adam nicholas's of the world the brian canes of the world you know some of these guys are really good friends of ours and they, they have worked with our clients and you know um, understanding, getting done to the same PJ Atherton's another one, getting to understand those, what they're seeing from that, you know, carpenter view of, okay, what little element is, is working here? Like why uh, unlocking the game, right? It's kind of playing chess instead of checkers. Right. And so once you kind of can see that, um, it's easy to sort of identify it at a younger age. Right. I wanted to ask it because this is a family business and I know, you know, multiple agencies, there'll be multiple points of contact, but how do you manage all that? Do you try and have one principal point of contact for each client? Do you all interact with those clients? How we does do. It work? Yeah, no, great yeah. question. Um, the way we like to phrase it is it's our family helping your family. And hmm. uh, just the way we do it, it's, it's really, really important. Again, none of us would ever get a day off if it was just one person only with one client. So we want to have that entire family relationship. And uh, we always joke, like, if you can't get a hold of one of the three of us, like, send help because the boat's gone down or something like that. Like, <laughs> like one, somebody is always, like, on it, you know? Um, so a lot of times we just have group chats with, with the three Bartlett's and, and our client, you yeah. know? And, um, again, certain certain uh, um, th needs pop up, and, and maybe we've got a different expertise. Brian's a lawyer. My dad is a, a certified tax preparer. Like if you're calling about, uh, you know, style advice or workouts, you're calling me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, but, 
Um, no, th- that is really what it is. So again, when uh, a guy like Clayton comes to Chicago, I see him. When he goes to Boston, Brian sees him. You know, that's where we're based, and and so it's really that holistic family um, uh, relationship, and and that's been from from day one, right? From the younger kids all the way on up. That's how we want it to be. Okay. That's awesome. Well, we have a lot more to get into. Um, before we do, we've talked about golf already. We actually have a golf partnership, Pins and Aces, the official golf apparel partner of PHNX and All City. And we have a really great event coming up next Friday, the 26th at Dobson Ranch, the Keeping It 100 Golf Tournament. You can still sign up. You get this awesome polo from pins and aces a custom polo with phoenix on there um, when you sign up it's going to be a scramble it's going to be a ton of fun prizes giveaways um, pins and aces will be out there big drive energy will be out there so check it out and make sure you grab yourself some great apparel at pinsandaces.com. use code phnx to receive 15 percent off your first order and get free shipping that's pinsandaces.com. Um, and if you're looking for a, a little pick me up before or after, check out Illegal Pete's on Mill Ave. Um, our friend Altex was in town and finally made it to Illegal Pete's for the first time. I have not um, strayed anyone wrong on the queso yet, Craig. No. It, it's fabulous. Um, so you can stop in Illegal Pete's in either their Tucson or Tempe locations for a house beer bucket for you and the whole crew. Five pints for $15. Soak up the sun with a loaded burrito and crisp beer on the patio. Well, you still can. It's getting a little hot, though. Yes. Um, Illegal Pete's, your go-to spot for burritos, buddies, and beer. All right. Um, I'm curious, obviously, the world has evolved. Um, social media has evolved. Hockey yeah. has evolved. Everything has evolved. So how has being an agent evolved with, you know, changing times? Yeah, I, I, like um, that's definitely one thing that you mentioned starting with social media is there's a lot more information readily available to everyone, but also to our clients, right? So a lot of those guys are, are uh, scrolling on there. and Whether it's accurate or, whether not, it's accurate or not. So you, you're putting out a lot more fires. You're uh, dispelling yes. a lot of myths with your clients. So that's changed. That wasn't a, a thing uh, long ago. But I would say the, the overarching theme here is that agency in general has become more of a development business. It's more of a... Uh, um, you know, having to go early when my dad, one of my dad's earliest clients or not earliest, one of my dad's biggest clients was Dougie Waite. And, uh, mm. Dougie was a second round pick in New York Rangers. My dad picked him up two years after the draft as a junior in college. Can you imagine that? There's <laughs> zero second round picks now that haven't had an agent for probably five years. Like it's crazy. Right. So it's just the, the landscape of, you know, okay, let these guys get good and then we'll pick the ones that we want later that's changed so now it's about like we talked about that holistic development you have to have resources in every capacity from a young age whether it's you know strength training nutrition um mental training which which we're huge on you know mental emotional coaching we call it um so all those type of things it's really become sort of like you've seen the trend in european soccer right yeah academies right so these agencies in some ways have have partnered in that development process and the better you you, you do at that at the start at the ground level, the greater successes your clients will reach. So that's that's been the big overarching change that I've seen um, since my dad started. Yeah, that's yeah. how you mentioned that because Clayton clearly has a just a battery of specialists that he goes to. I talked totally. about in that story that I wrote, and it's right. that's fascinating to me. That's just like finding any way possible to improve, to develop, to totally. to get an edge. Yeah, I mean, again, I'm staying at Clayton's house right now, and um, he's built up multiple spaces. In his house, um, <laughs> well, last night we went to do one of those. Basically, got an inversion table for like a spine. <laughs> wait, 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 wait! 
come with more details on this. Got this. It was like, oh, it looks good. Like my back is a little tight, a little tight from the flight and getting a little old. So I'm like, oh, this inversion table. Like, this, this thing looks great. I strap my strap my ankles in. I'm like, oh, it's just like I'm sure there's some resistance to recline. <laughs> I probably went back at 140 miles per hour, straight upside down. I was like, like I thought he was gonna break his neck. Suit, suits out. Like, got lucky that I'm a little bit taller than Clayton, but not like tall enough that I wasn't dead. Like, my, my head was a quarter inch from the ground at 200 miles per hour, straight upside, straight upside down. Right. Take everything Brian says on the show today with a grain of salt because he's concussed. I was was millimeters from being. It was hilarious. I was crying laughing. I thought we lost him. He's just, oh, look at this inversion table. Like, like, wow. It was hilarious. So, anyways. Yes, we saw it up close, but yes. Yes. He's he's got multiple spaces in his house and and in one of them, which is sort of like a a workout rehab room, I would call it, where he did a lot of his his rehab last year. He's got that big mama mentality, you know, sign on the wall. You know, it's just Mm. finding ways to get better every day. Kobe, obviously. So that's really what he lives by. And it's pretty cool to see right in his own house to have that that type of uh, signage. So, yeah, it's cool. You I know you wanted to talk about how the youth hockey landscape has changed in in particularly in non-traditional markets. So I'm just going to give you the floor on this. There are a lot of things to examine here, but there are more avenues for prospects to take. So what role do you guys take in that prospect and family decision-making process? Yeah, we just, you know, I think it's just because I think it's applicable here, right? Like it's yeah. a non-traditional hockey market. It's an important hockey market. It's a great hockey market, but it's not as clear as like if you're growing up in Chicago or Boston, it like makes kind of sense. You play youth hockey and then you go to prep school or you go to junior team and it's right there and it's right down the road. And, and what are you doing? But there's more and more options popping up as, as hockey is getting more popular. There's more junior teams and a lot of them are great. A lot of them are half scam sort of things of, Hey, mm. move to this league that's popping up and it just happens to be $12,000 and look at all these guys who move on. And, and the guy has never moved on from there in the history of the league, right? So it's getting more complicated for families. And uh, as we talked about social media, and you can make anything look good now, right? You can make it sound good. You can do a good PowerPoint. You can do a good Zoom presentation to somebody and, and doing that. So that, that definitely is a role that, that we've started to play more for high-end guys is they're getting more options. It's not like, okay, I'm just I'm 15. I'm going to go play in the U16 team, and then I'm going to go play in the U18 team, and then we'll see how it goes. It's, okay, I got this team calling me from whatever state or province that wants me to come out right now. Should I move away from home at 13? You know, so that, that's a big family decision. That's a right, life decision, right. right? So a lot of it's it's that of trying to make sure that you can find some because everybody has a vested interest, right? Like the guy that's telling you about it probably got an ownership stake in that, right? Mm-hmm. He's probably yeah. going to get a cut. Right. And your coach that you're asking at home, maybe that is a great opportunity, but he wants you to stay at home, right? So sometimes it's it's that. And that's what we've really found is difficult for families now is to try to find something that you can trust. And this has nothing to do with us specifically. It's, it's, it's anybody for families, I think, out there trying to find somebody that doesn't have a bias, doesn't have a financial interest in what you're doing that you can bounce things off of. And and if it's a coach that maybe isn't on your team right now or a former coach or former player, somebody. So that's definitely a role that, that we've played for those high end guys. And we spend a lot of our time too, just taking that first call from family. Like Scotty said, a lot of it's prospecting and going to not all of them. We can invest our full time in, but we do try to make a lot of time to get on that first call or get an email that comes to our website just to say like, Hey, I got invited out to this tournament in Las Vegas. It's only $3,000 for the weekend. And it says all these colleges are going to be there. Should we do that? Like, 
no, they're gonna be too hungover to watch. Like the time <laughs> starts at eight. It's at MGM. No, it's not a good evaluation tool, right? Yeah. Like so, stuff like that. Um, mm. You know, we try the best we can and try to empower a little bit of that because yeah. you we don't even take. Get I mean, I, I will. I will just add to that too. Like I, I do think the non-traditional markets have really done a great job of of building programs there that are that are sustainable and that have done a great job of, of talent development. So. Um, a lot of times we're kind of pulling the reins on the families of like, hey, you're you're fine right where you are. You yeah, know, stay stay right there, and there's no need to to be chasing it. Um, but there's like as Brian said, there's tons of options now, and and so helping families in non traditional markets navigate those decisions that's that's a big piece of it. So, um, speaking of non traditional markets, now this is a Division One college market with yes. Arizona State, and you know we've we've seen a lot of growth with USA Hockey. We just um, had the NTDP coach on our show um, a couple weeks ago. Oh, nice. I, yeah, I just want to, yeah, oh, I just cool. want to know Easy. about you know the college route. It seems like it's becoming more popular. It used to be that was strictly for Americans, and now we're seeing a lot of you know people from outside of the U.S. choosing the college route. Kale McCarr um, is a great example of that. Your client, yeah. 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 Do you um, has have you seen that the college route has become a more attractive and maybe even a more viable option um, for younger hockey players lately? Absolutely. I mean, I think we're uh, very big supporters of, of the NCAA path. Um, the game has evolved at the NCAA level. Mm. People have taken note of that. Um, there used to be this stigma, you know, 15, 20 years ago, oh, it's just slap hockey, you know, it's fast and hard and this and there's no skill. But I mean, you watch NCAA hockey, you'd be crazy to think there's no skill in playmaking there. I mean, you watch the Golden Gophers play this year, you watch BU, you watch some of these high-end teams. Um, there's tons of skill up and down the roster. There's creativity. And it, we think it's a wonderful middle step maybe where it's a it's a really big leap from playing against 16 to 20-year-olds in junior hockey to go all the way to the NHL. Whereas going to college, you're playing against 22, 23, 24-year-olds, you know, yeah, maybe they aren't the most talented person in the world on, on that particular t opposition team. Right. But the reality is you're still getting limited time and space. You're still um, having to learn puck protection skills, having to learn intensity skills, all those type of things. So it's become, I mean, the numbers don't lie. You start to see uh, the quality, uh, quality high-end players who are choosing NCAA, right, as opposed to major junior like it would have been in the past or staying in Europe, and then also the the total numbers of players who are making the NHL out of the NCAA, they've gone both gone significantly higher. So um, again, I think NCAA has has built a, a better product on the ice and people are taking notice of it. And then it's starting to become a little self-fulfilling prophecy, a little momentum that way. Are there advantages to the NCAA route? I think, I think the biggest Definitely. advantage is you can control your timeline mm -hmm. a little bit longer, mm -hmm. right? If you play major junior, and again, we've had a lot of very successful NHL players right. come through Major Junior, JT Miller, and right. Connor yeah. Murphy. And yeah. It's a great route for some people, but the NCAA allows you to, to elongate that runway a little bit, right? So you can play junior, you can play in the USHL, BCHL, AJ, wherever you want to play until you're 21. And then you have four more years of college. For the last couple of years, you've been freaking six years of college, right? With Kobe, yeah. forever, right? You never had to leave for a while. But anyway, so there's, a, there's, a, like there's a 27 year old in college last year. Right. So that guy long. We had Johnny Walker here. He's yeah. he used yeah. to joke he was here exactly. for nine years. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So like I same thing. That. Right. So you can yeah. elongate it realistically till you're 25. You know, and guys are going to develop and mature and grow at different times. If you go major junior, you have till you're 20 or 21, and you need to be ready to step into pro. If you're not quite there yet, 
then you start scrambling, right? So that's the the primary advantage, I think. If you take everything else away, peel everything else away, peel away beautiful, mullet, all that stuff, right? The the <laughs> fluff away. The NCAA's primary advantage is it allows you to elongate your time period. And if you're ready after a year like Kells, you can go. If you're ready after a year or two, like some of the coyotes picks might be, like then you can leave at 19 too. You don't have to say till you're 25, but it allows it if you need it. And certainly, as you know, I mean, you guys are smart hockey people. It does create a certain bit of leverage that's not available to major junior players. Yep. Um, and and you see it year after year, every spring, the high end guys are are stepping right in, burning years, playing games in the NHL um, right off the hop. Mm-hmm. Right? They're parachuting in. They're doing that. There is far less incentive uh, on the other side of that from the major junior perspective or even European perspective to do that. Um, there's just that increased leverage point uh, for NCAA. And so that certainly uh, is an added benefit to to what Brian talked about, the extended timeline and the development against men. We could do a whole show on the CHL-NHL agreement, but that's yeah, for, yeah. for another day. <laughs> yeah. So. It's interesting. Go yeah, go ahead. Oh, no. It's, it's time to talk about the the elephant in the room, I think. <laughs> All right. Um, All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we've, we've arrived. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> so you came in right after the fireworks? We did. Um, yeah. yeah. What was your reaction to the Tempe vote and what are your thoughts and what, what does the chatter sound like around the agent world? With what's yeah. going on? Uh, I mean, I, I think we kind of feel the same as uh, I'm sure most of the fans here do. It's, it's, it's disappointed, right? Like is a great hockey market. Our clients that have played here love being here love the fan support um when it's there and it felt like there was momentum and felt like there's finally a plan that can go and we can turn this into something real right because for yeah no offense for a while it hasn't fully been right Two so it's like right <laughs> so it's like it. we can turn this into something <laughs> turn this something into, into something good here right yeah. and it's it's so close and again we're not as steeped in it as you guys on on the intricacies of it but you're going and you hope and there's optimism and then it's just it's like okay and then it's the same and, and this happens a lot to us like okay you think something's gonna happen and then you, you take a left turn on it and then everything there's there's a million questions for everything and as scotty mentioned like these guys are, are people too right so it's am i gonna be living here next year do i need to sell my house where are my kids gonna go to school next year for older players like mm-hmm. my wife has a job too what are we doing right like it was convenient with tucson here so like all those things start funneling for everybody and and you know we're kind of tangentially involved in in the nhl there's a lot of other people like that parking attendants concession people all that so that was always kind of my first all there's a lot there's a big ecosystem yeah around nhl team and like that is all up in the air for all these people now so that that's kind of the first one it's a little bit of a disappointment or sadness or whatever and then um i think kind of as, as we've gone in now in the agent world in the hockey world and uh you know there's a new executive director at the nhl PA, the timing was good. We had meetings with him uh, this week. There's one in Toronto yesterday that that my dad Steve went to. I went to one in New York the other week. Like, so it's a conversation of okay, now now what, right? Because what we want to do is we want to make a team competitive for the players that are here, right? They deserve right. it. They want it. Yep. How do we continue to grow revenue for everybody's perspective, for the city's perspective, for the league's perspective, players' perspective, all that sort of stuff? It's like okay, what's the next step now? So I think everybody's kind of thinking that way of you know th- this is not what anybody wanted but now pretty quickly we need to all collectively as a hockey community locally and internationally here kind of like figure out what's next so this doesn't drag on right yeah that that's the biggest thing that i think is the takeaway is as you referenced 
this has been uncertain for far too long. And now there is an, a real urgency on our client's behalf to have clarity. Uh, we need to have clarity. Uh, again, Clayton, I'll just use him. He's in the prime of his career. He took a huge step this year. He's going to take another step next year. He deserves to be in an organization that has stability and that is pursuing the same thing that he is, which is excellence, right? And that is the real, that's the real flashpoint for us. And, and that's a big reason we're meeting with the Coyotes folks here later today. Um, that, that there needs to be some concrete plans, not, not hoping plans, not maybe plan this, you know, this has to come to a head here shortly. Um, and I'm sure that other agents feel the same way for their clients. Yeah. Um, all things being equal. So let's just say like this gets sorted and, and every, all 32 teams in the NHL are on a level playing field in that way. From a free agency perspective, how much do facility taxes, um, location and weather? I mean, you mentioned how much you've had clients who actually love living in this market. How much does all that matter to free agents? Everything else being equal. It does. It absolutely does. Um, I'll start with the taxes just because we do our players' tax returns for them. We're unique in that way. I think that we do it in-house. As I mentioned, my dad's a tax preparer. He takes the lead on that. Mm. Um, so we're super conscious of what the face value of a contract is and what the real value is after taxes. What, what's your take-home? So that's part of every one of our discussions uh, for our free agents as they're going through that process. Um, Facilities, I would say probably the least of that equation. I mean, most facilities in the NHL are professional enough. I mean, right now we've, we've had some issues with the mullet, not to be another elephant in the room. Um, but be, beyond this market, uh, the facilities are, are, are quite special throughout. So that's probably less important. But I do think weather, location family uh, setup, meaning how close to the practice rink are you? What type of neighborhoods are there? What type of schools are there? Those things have huge, hmm. huge implications on where guys go. Um, again, hey. these are people first. And if you don't want to put your young children in school in a certain market, if you don't want to have to be drive an hour to practice every day and an hour back and it's two hours less at home, those things matter to our players for sure. So. And and the competitiveness, I think, too, Correct. of, of yeah. where you are in your cycle of your career. Have you won championships already? Is Correct. that your primary goal at this point, right? Like we, we've had clients that have, have gone through and say, my primary, and everybody's different, right? So sometimes it's saying, hey, I've won two or three championships already. I've been underpaid because I took a team-friendly deal, X, Y, or Z, and I lived in a great place already. I've kind of already done that. Now I just want to get this contract that's going to set my family and kids and grandkids up. So let's just maximize, right? right? Doesn't matter. It could be the worst locker room in the world. Drive three hours. Like I've been underpaid for five years on this deal that we did. Let's get paid now. Right. Or some, it's, it's the opposite of, of no I'm, players I'm, are underpaid on deals that we've done ever, by the way. This is, yeah. Okay. Just, uh, just to clarify. <laughs> after, they switch, after they switched from another agent, there was another agent That's that was right. highly unpaid switched to us Correct. and say, okay, let's good. resurrect. Thank Thank you. That's what I meant. I didn't think okay. there'd be any ad reads from you guys on this <laughs> yeah. show, but here we go. So. Um, you know, or, or sometimes it's a total opposite, right. Of saying, okay, you know, we've had kind of the good setup. I've been paid. Now it's really, chasing championships or there's the ones that are in the middle right they're right in a prime i want to find this combination of everything right but very rarely is it something's like hey i want i want to come to a team that i don't think has a chance to win because I, I will just add this culture 
is one thing you didn't mention. Hmm. Team culture is huge. This is a fraternity, as you know. It is a small fraternity, and everybody knows a lot of people on different teams. If they're saying, oh, wow, this coach is complete whack job and it's it, the culture's bad we've got guys in the room that aren't bought in like that stuff matters mm-hmm. so uh, really building culture and, and leading with that i think with these organizations it, it helps attract free agents all right well um Speaking we want to yeah we want to dive more <laughs> into clayton here in a second uh, before we do um obviously it's heating up outside i think Something like a polar pop is uh, real great for cooling off. And we have a special offer for you right now from Circle K. You can take out your phone right now while you're watching this um, and text PHNX to 31310 to join their SMS subscriber club and get a buy one, get one free offer on 32 ounce polar pops. You can head to circlek.com slash store dash locator to find a Circle K near you. I got gas yesterday. I saw Derek on my screen and then I heard Derek Echoing down. Yeah, various personalities that are on those screens. You know, like when oh, you're pumping yeah, yeah. gas yeah, yeah. and it starts yeah. auto yeah, yeah. yeah, and so then, uh, and then I was on the phone later, someone pumping gas, and I heard my own voice, so that was a little <laughs> bizarre. But anyway, uh, Circle I declined because nobody wants to see that. So, yeah, <laughs> so yeah, if yeah. you want to see that as well, uh, check out Circle K um, near you. And listen, this has been a stressful week. <laughs> Did you ever get one where you saw, heard your own voice while you were pumping your own gas? I haven't yet. No, I haven't. No, I'm waiting for that day. Yeah. I'm waiting. Um, <laughs> it's been a, it's been a stressful week for all of us. Um, luckily we have our friends at OG's Breaths to help get us through. I'm sure a lot of us have been partaking. Um, OG's has something for everyone. They have sleep edition, microdose, indica, sativa gummies. You can find them at your local dispensary. They have delicious flavors as well. Um, strawberries and cream, peaches and cream, blackberries and cream. I, I just love the cream flavors, which is why I listed them all. You can find them at your local dispensary at ogsbrands.com. You got to be 21 or older to enjoy responsibly. Right? All right. Let's let's get to Clayton. He's obviously a major client of yours. Let's start with this, this season that he had because, as we know, he's a, a Bill Masterton finalist. Right. And I think richly deserving of that. It's insane what he accomplished when he went down. Most of us thought there's no chance he's going to be ready for the start of the season. And not only was he ready, uh, it took him maybe three games to get up and running. And then he was pursuing Keith Kachuk's single season points record. So we've covered a lot of the details. I wrote a a major story on him. But you told us a story right before we went on air about where you were when the injury occurred. So let's let's go back to that time and how you guys dealt with that whole process and helped Clayton. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, we're obviously not on Pacific time and, um, I literally got up in the middle of the night to take a pee, to be honest with you. (laughs) And I, uh, I, I'm probably a phone addict as my wife will tell you. And, uh, for whatever reason, I just kind of touched my phone to see what's going on in the middle of the night. Not, not healthy. Don't do that at home. (laughs) And, uh, sure enough, I saw a ton of missed calls and texts from, from Clayton and I hadn't been watching that game. I watch a lot of his games, but, um, Anyways, so I was up on I was on FaceTime with him at uh, you know whatever four a.m. my time. He was in the hospital about to go in for surgery um, to stabilize uh, the femur. So that's how I learned about it. Um, early start to my day, but he was in good spirits even right from that point. Um, took it with a, a great level of kind of maturity and 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 was really motivated from from minute one, even pre-surgery. Honestly, um, the, hey, they're gonna be fine. I'm gonna be ready to go. And, and then shortly after, obviously, talked to him the next day and helped source uh, a bunch of rehab specialists. One um, <clears throat> woman that he worked with throughout 
she's based up in in Toronto actually, and he worked with her uh, three right. times a week throughout the entire summer. Um, so again, just kind of like right from that is like, what's he going to need? What's our timeline? How can we help him get back? Because he said, I'm coming back from game one. And as you know, he didn't play a preseason game. He was <laughs> not quite even skating fully by the end of August. Like he, right. he still had a little bit of a hitch in his giddy up. And uh, he he was able to kind of push through that and add that strength that he needed. And, and obviously, again, I think kind of the one thing that I think makes Clayton special is that competitiveness that, you know, it would probably be easy sometimes, you know, in the course of coming back from an injury to say, oh, I'm not feeling quite right. Our team's not in the playoff hunt, you know, take like, but he has that in the middle, of, the lo- in the middle of a long-term contract, middle of a long-term contract. Right. Great. Yeah. He, right. But he has that unbelievable focus about him and that unbelievable drive to be the best. And uh, I'm really, really proud of him for that. I don't think people understand that enough. And Clayton's kind of soft-spoken, yeah. uh, although he's becoming more and more outspoken lately, yeah. which is, which is great. Um, I don't think they understand that competitive drive. Uh, when Rick Tockett was here, he always used to say, "This this kid is a student of the game. He is yeah. always there. He's always studying. He's always asking questions." But he is ultra competitive. And I remember one time bringing up some of his critics, and he literally—I think I told you this quote. He said, "That's okay because I'm going to shove it up their ass." <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And that's who he is. It. Really, I he is it. incredibly competitive. Yeah. Apparently, in whatever he does, talking to the guys that golf with him or do yeah, other things exactly. with him, like fish. Yeah. Too, but we don't pose much of a challenge on the golf course for him. So <laughs> yeah, we did not get he, out he the fullest. No, but that's exactly right. Uh, I've always called him the comeback kid. That's kind of a name I've called mm. him since he's been, you know, 15, 16. Um, it would just eat at him if he had a game that he didn't feel he played his best, right? And and I would have to kind of be the voice of reason, like, hey, you're fine. You're the comeback kid. Like, you're going you're gonna to be yeah. great next game. And certainly, you know, sure enough, he would come back and, and perform to that that next higher level. You know, he'd push himself that way. So incredibly self-motivated, uh, incredibly competitive. Um, like I said, um, we talk about – it's called the growth mindset. We talk about that all the time. Um, same the mama mentality. Uh, with our guys, we talk about growth mindset. How can we find 1% better every day? Um, and how can we fall in love with that process, right? Because at some point – you know, just going out and doing the actual activity gets stale. It's more about the process and falling in love with that idea and feeling self-satisfaction when you are seeing those gains and, and hitting new levels, right? That's what the name of the game is. And and that's, I think, kind of the secret sauce with Clayton. So. What did you see from him on the ice? I know he worked with a skills coach who was asked that I not name him, so I didn't name him in the story. Yeah. But there there were little tweaks in his game, ways to attack space, ways to, ways to take advantage of his skill set. I'm curious, but from your perspective and knowing now that you guys are basically talent evaluators as well, what you saw different in his game this year that allowed him to tie Key Kachuk's single season record that had stood for since his team arrived. Yeah, um, really, what what's that? What that comes down to is being a little bit more tactical and strategic. Mm. Um, you know, there had been sort of this: hey, we got to play on the interior, we got to get to the dangerous scoring areas, we got to do some of those things, and then we really, I think, we're able to. With the help of the the skill coach, I shouldn't say we. Clayton was able to uh, tailor his game a little bit more to his specific skill set, and understand that yes, I have to get to those dirty interior areas in order to score. But it's about timing. It's about understanding when in a sequence of play you actually need to be there, and when you're just there burning energy and wasting time really in the offensive zone. So it was, it's about using space as we talked about and, and using kind of a better understanding of sequential plays yeah. to understand how to get to those areas as a not six foot three player 
to be effective in the dirty areas without, again, just burning 30 seconds of a shift in a battle for no reason, right? That, that's really what I think the crux is. Speaking of comeback kid, not only did he come back, but he tied Keith Kachuk's single season point record um, for the Coyotes. Just an unbelievable year. How much were you in contact with him throughout the season as he was chasing that record? And, you know, I know hockey players are usually pretty humble and don't, you know, it's about the team. But was he, you know, did he have his eye on that record? And, and what was that conversation like? No, he didn't. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I think... We talked about the competitiveness and stuff like I think Clayton's trying to win and score every day right. anyway. So yeah. it, it, it's not that different in, in the records. I think that he's chasing is, is you want to get those ones, but those are the byproduct of how he's trying to play anyway. So I don't think he changed his game. Like sometimes you'll see guys when they're getting close to a record, they start cheating it a little bit, right? Or they start giving up on one area to try to get another. And you, you've seen that time and time mm -hmm. again with different teams and ends up hurting the overall output. Um, and I think that's what's impressive about, I think Kells in, in the process that he went through this summer. Um, again, especially with, this was not a cap salary team, right? Like there's some very good players here, excellent ones to play with, but it's not Marner, Nylander and Matthews, right? Like of, of chasing these numbers. So I think that was it, that he was trying to drive wins and, and try to do that. So I think that was a focus when it started coming. Was he aware of it? Does he have Twitter? Yes. Yeah. You know, did he well, see it? He's, was so, he's got a relationship with the guy Was he excited well, about so. it? Yeah, did, exactly. Did, did yeah. we encourage him to keep the puck? And he said, I already got it. Don't worry about it. Yes. All those, all those things. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like, you know, and, and now, but he's not resting on that. I'm sure. Right. Maybe right. more. He's probably yeah. more pissed. He didn't break it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like yeah. Uh, that probably pisses him off more than. I know Christian Fisher is pissed because he had a a text message apparently ready to send to Keith yeah. as soon as Clayton yeah, broke yeah, the yeah, record. So. Yeah. Well, Walt, Walt is Keith is a great guy. Yeah, he'd he be is. the happiest guy if he did. So. Yeah, he was exactly. Yeah. He was so supportive of him the whole time. Go ahead, Liam. Um, and I guess just speaking of like wanting to break it, what's next for him in terms of his development and, and his production? Yeah, again, obviously significant uncertainty here uh going on but uh he, he clayton has always done a great job of focusing on himself and focusing on his game and and diving in on that front so he'll put the work in the summer um again going back to identify a couple areas i think um a few tweaks um to even take it to an, a higher level um last summer was a rehab summer right and now hopefully we can attack it a little bit more uh, he can attack it a little bit more in the, the strength and conditioning side and and really even try to kind of mature his body a little bit further. So I think that's that's primary focus number one here. Okay, before we let you go, I have to ask about your own playing careers, whether it was just knee hockey when you discovered <laughs> I did, I did, I did get a little further. <laughs> he was the captain of our high school hockey okay. team. So he, we Which high school together. was this, by the way? Uh, Pittsburgh. Grew up in uh, Western New York. So okay. Pittsburgh, New York. Yeah, Pittsburgh, I went there so. and then realized quickly I wasn't going too far. But ended up... Uh, which actually applicable to here to I ended up playing club hockey in College University of Maryland, okay. which was great, way better level than I thought. Like I thought I gonna roll up there and like got beers on the bench instead of water bottles. <laughs> like, oh my god, this guy's playing like you. This is pretty good. That was better than I thought. I ever sharpened my skates and getting going, but uh, but yeah, again, knew, knew where I was going. But uh, but Sky did a good job. I'll, I'll talk about him a little bit, then he can can add in. But uh, yeah, so I mean, Scotty's been kind of had a championship sort of mentality too, in the same with the Kells, which I think why they get along great he's brought a great piece to the agency that way of 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 trying to win and had success at, at the prep school level uh at deerfield and then went on to play Middlebury. they won two national championships while he was there at a real dynasty going and then um 
I don't know if it was good agencies or uh, or good playing, but ended up uh, jumping into a pro career from there and played a couple of years. So it's got to talk a little bit more about that. But uh, yeah, we're really proud of how far he yeah. took it. Yeah, as Brian said, just was fortunate. I mean, it was really fun from a young age. I mean, one of my closest friends still and one of our, our great clients was Ryan Callahan. Um, mm. So on our, our we won. I, I was like Brian said, I was super, super fortunate to be on great teams all the way up. Um, I won a youth championship in Rochester, New York. I went to play the Pee Wee tournament twice. Uh, you know, Ryan Callahan, Dustin Brown, those guys were on our team. Like, so we had some super, super high end guys. The Quebec tournament you're talking about? Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it went up. Yeah. We went up. We had such a good. Robbie group. Shrimp doing Robbie just Shrimp. Robbie Shrimp. <laughs> before Robbie TikTok. Shrimp. <laughs> I literally <laughs> played on Robbie moves. Shrimp's line for a year and I was like, just don't even give me the puck, man. Like, just go. Like, it was <laughs> unbelievable. Like, he was like going down the ice, tapping it on his stick. It was like, unreal how talented he was. It was so crazy. So he, he great guy, but he he was able to just take over games like I've never seen before. Hmm. Anyway, so I always give Callie a little bit of a jab, like because I was the captain on a couple of those youth teams and he was the assist. So I'm like, I taught you everything you know about leadership, you know. Um, so that that was fun. Um, went on to Deerfield, uh, another great team. We had you know four or five NHL draft picks on that team. We went on to win the New England Championship there. Went on to Middlebury College, which is Division Three. Uh, as Brian said, we were. Uh, fortunate enough to to win two national championships there while I was there, part of the Bill Beanie dynasty. He was a, a wonderful guy, yeah. a wonderful hockey coach. And then uh, probably because uh, my dad was a good agent, I was able to scratch and claw my way into an uh, <laughs> NHL rookie tournament. And I'm proud of myself for hanging around the coast as a D3 guy. I was able to stick it out for two years in the East Coast League and then went over to Germany in the, in the third league and we won a championship there too, which wow. was pretty a great wild. experience. Wow. Uh, and it was pretty cool. We were in a small town called Garmisch Partenkirchen, which is like a, a big ski town. It's maybe 35,000 people. Um, and when we won the, I mean, there's, there's a ton of teams in that third league in Germany. There's like 50 teams, there's different wow. divisions and stuff. And we ended up winning and literally we had like a key to the town given to this team. And we had this little parade <laughs> with like 5,000 people came out and stuff. It was a great experience. And that's when I kind of said, Hey, this is a, a walk-off home run for me. And, and, uh, then went to be the low man on the totem pole here. Yeah. <laughs> so I mentioned to you, we, we, we played both Deerfield and Middlebury because I went to Exeter and Wesleyan yeah, and awesome. I, much, much earlier than you did. So I, I guess that's apparent to everyone since I always get uh, old guy jokes on this show from Leah mostly. <laughs> um, my memory of Deerfield, they still had fence around the, ba the back of the rink. And, yeah. and this was a hostile, I was a goaltender. This was a hostile environment. We were completely overmatched. Yeah. I faced 65 shots and we had nine in yeah. the game so it was it was a memorable we were a wagon. Me. like we were yeah. a really good team one of my coolest hockey memories was uh, we played the quarterfinals of the new england championship for anybody that plays prep hockey like it's a big deal and uh yeah. we, the quarterfinals are hosted on campus and then you go to a neutral site for the semis and finals we won the quarterfinals it was like you said hostile i've never been in a louder rink it's a small rink it was wild and then after the game, you know, your parents wait for you this and that. And then you walk in, there's a huge dining hall at Deerfield where everyone's seated tables. <laughs> and every player that walked in off the hockey team got a standing ovation from the whole. It was pretty <laughs> awesome. It was like a pretty uh, chills moment. It was really fun to kind of be part of that. It was, it was awesome. So, was, that the, was that the year that you flipped Brian Boyle? Uh, right. That was the year I, <laughs> I did flip Brian Boyle. <laughs> Scotty was probably, sure he wanted you to bring that up, but five. Yeah. Five, 150, five, eight. At that point, you've grown. You've grown. At that point, five, yeah. five, seven, 
240 pounds, but Boyle was whatever, whatever, he's six. He's a big six, man. So like, yeah, yeah, he, he, was, he was exactly the same size. Oh, he was as a cedar. He was, was way, way like, better than I was. Yeah. I just caught him at a good moment in the final, in the in the last game, actually. Wow. Saint Seb, he was at St. Seb as we played him, and got yeah, him got ass, him at the cartwheel. Full ass over elbows. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, well, we'll let you go here in a second. Before we do, just want to remind everybody, the NHL Conference Finals kick off tonight. Um, and if you haven't signed up for the BetMGM Sportsbook yet, make sure you do that. And when you sign up, use the bonus code PHNX because there's a few different offers depending on where you live. But for our Arizona audience, you'll get up to $100 in bonus bets on your first wager with BetMGM. Again, make sure you use that bonus code PHNX Everyone who logged in yesterday got a free bet. So if you did, you have 72 hours to do that. If you missed it, you can do it again on Saturday. As always, you can check out the show notes for full details. And now listen to Shane talk about the disclaimer. Disclaimer, 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in Washington, D.C., Mississippi, Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369, New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP-ARIZONA, 1-800-522-4700, Kansas, Nevada, 1-800-327-5050, Massachusetts, 1-800-BETS-OFF-IOWA, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help, Michigan. Thank you, Shane, for that. And thank you to Four Peaks for being my partner this week through <laughs> some stressful times. Um, we, we were literally Best drinking. brewery in town if you have time. Drinking, oh. yeah, amazing beer. And they have it on tap at pretty much every restaurant you go to here. Um, you can also buy it at your local grocery store, Target, Walmart, anywhere you can buy a beer. Four Peaks is there. Check out the Four Peaks H Street Pub. Um, you can check them out on social media at Four Peaks Brew, at Four Peaks Pub. To keep up with the latest at Arizona's hometown brewery, got to be 21 or older to drink Four Peaks. And please drink responsibly. All right. Well, that's all we got. We appreciate your time. I saw a really funny comment. I have to mention it on behalf of Petey about Keller uh, and his mouth guard always hanging out of his <laughs> uh, mouth. We probably should ask about that. Youth hockey parents <laughs> stressing about that. Don't want to set the bad example. So I guess if you pass on any message to him today, know that the youth hockey parents are frustrated by that example. <laughs> mouth guard has become more of a stress release than an actual. Yeah, they got a better, better so. dental plan in the NHL <laughs> yes. than uh, yes. probably do, but yeah, right we will now. pass on the message. Kids, yeah. kids put in your mouth guard. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. There it is. All right. Well, we can't thank you enough for your time um, today. We really appreciate it. And uh, first, uh, first agents on the show. Hopefully, we'll talk to you again soon, and hopefully, we'll have some more. I'm guessing we'll talk again. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Thanks Absolutely. for having us. Um, everybody, thanks so much. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate you guys having us. Yeah, fun. thank you. Yeah. And everybody here in our live chat, thank you. Um, hit the like button on this video. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to the PHNX Sports YouTube channel. Hit the notification bell so you never miss when we go live. You can also subscribe on audio wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow our show at PHNX underscore Coyotes. Follow PHNX Sports across all social platforms. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday, everyone. We'll be back again live tomorrow to talk prospects with Chris Peters. So really looking Mm -hmm. forward to that. But until then, enjoy the rest of your day, everyone. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye. Thanks.